Welcome to Book Club, where we look at the book and it's a screen adaptation and see is the book always better than the film or is sometimes the film better than the book? Rare chance, but yeah, no very often. Yes. So this well, week, month, we're doing Cherry by Nico Walker, which was released in 2018 by Knopf. And it was quite, like, I remember it coming out. There's so much buzz about it. It was a huge deal. It was like the book. I have no context for it. I don't okay. know if it's just me being, like, culturally clueless, but um, uh, I no, didn't know it was this new. Yeah, I didn't. I had no context for it either. Okay. Obviously, it's set in the noughties, so it had to kind of have happened... And then it'd be like the following year. But I didn't realize it was 2018. That's like faster than I thought. Yeah. And he didn't get, he got out of prison in 2019. <laughs> the, uh, the author. The most recent book we've ever done. I uh, think the release. Yeah. I mean, it's a quick turnaround when you think about it, like between book release and the film coming out. Mm. Well, they bought the movie rights the day it came out. Yeah. Which is wild, isn't it? Yeah. Not a lot yeah. of them. Is it a billion? One million. Sorry, my brain is fried as you can tell. But and then and then I think apparently they were speculating that the book rights he got like between a hundred and two hundred grand for the book rights as well. So guess it was worth robbing those banks. <laughs> eventually, eventually he got paid his dues. So I'm not naturally drawn to like addict for fiction i don't know if you guys have ever read stuff in that genre before when i was a teenager it was very much my jam like okay. not necessarily addict specific but stuff like that's dark and a bit twisty kind of like chuck palinuic vein stuff yeah. like that kind of that it kind of gave me that kind of vibe not to the same extent um and what's the what is it million is it Million Little Pieces? The one that the guy wrote and said oh, yes. that he was an addict and then wasn't. I read that. Like, yeah. I read quite a lot of those, like, dark time in your life memoirs when I was younger. I don't know about you. Uh, again, never, never like, like you said, no, I'm not, like, drawn to it. It's not, like, a genre I seek out. I've definitely read more short stories than, like, full things that kind of focus on it. Or I've read stories that have had characters or elements of this, but it hasn't been, like the focus I used to go on Amazon and like look at all the recommended titles from that kind of book because if this was like 20 years ago Amazon's algorithm wasn't as sophisticated as it once was so it was just all like more of the same shit over and over meaning it wasn't just stuff they were advertising you it was actual recommendations based (laughs) off your purchase (laughs) true I miss those days so yeah I, I think I I actually did read I I had a really good teacher at school who got us reading a lot of books, sort of like Vietnam War era. Like there's one book called The Things They Carried, which I really recommend by Tim O'Brien, I think it is. I, I think I, I do like good, like his war stories in the sense of looking at the history around the war and what led up to it and kind of the analysis of the situation, not necessarily like military garb, but the actual historical context of the events that are happening, I think, for me anyway, I find fascinating. So we've read the book before the movie or movie book? Yeah, I I read like the last 10 chapters after I'd watched the movie. So I'd done most of it before I watched the movie. Yeah. So Cherry is a semi-autobiographical novel that follows Walker's path, well, 
I, I say Walker, but <laughs> it's like not Walker, but it is as a decorated U.S. Army medic in Iraq who returns to Cleveland, gets addicted to heroin and ends up as well, this is Walker. <laughs> not to confuse with the character in the book, ends up a convicted bank robber. Walker was written about in tw a 2013 BuzzFeed profile, which attracted the attention of Matthew Johnson of Tyrant Books, who persuaded him to write this book. Also, in the book, it says on his bio that he was on 250 50 tours in Iraq, and then he got convicted for 10 or 11 years to go to prison for the bank robberies that he committed. So... Do you want to maybe add some facts that you have about Nico, Sean, if you have anything written down before we talk about the story? Can I answer the question? I don't know if you yeah. guys know. Was he a writer before? Like, had he ever written anything? No. Nothing? No. No. I think it's quite well written. They, so uh, it's Matthew, isn't it? The guy who... Uh, yes, found so, him. Uh, so this guy was aware of him and he ran a small publishing company. Mm. And he wrote to, I think he wrote to him and sent him books yeah. Yeah. Uh, into Walker. Um, and then he'd write back and say, this is my favourite. And he said, okay, here's some more books for you. It was some sort of like, he was like the best book, quote unquote, okay. of the bunch. Yeah. Then he started pushing him into writing some stuff. Uh, he 10 pages, he'd go back to him and say, these are great. After he'd done that for a while, he said, actually, all those first lot were shit, but this stuff we're doing now is actually good. Nice to hear like a bold um, yeah. It was like yeah. four years back and forth he was writing the book. Dedication. Yeah, but he's in bloody jail. No, I mean on part. Yeah. Oh, yeah. To like keep yeah. going back. Because I guess you know there's a great story there if you can draw it out. They're a small-time publisher, and they went on to say that there's a few times where he almost gave up and was like, is this, what yeah. am I doing, chasing him? But he's glad he did it now. Yeah, yeah. He brought some people in to do some editing for Nico Walker. Well, yeah, I... all books are worked on, aren't they? Yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it was like all him, like just you know, flowing from his fingertips. But there was a, there was a quote in it uh, from Nico Walker, and they said that, that when they read his first draft, the main character was an asshole they hated. Then when yeah. he had some slight edits and suggestions, he was an arsehole that some people kind of liked. Yeah, which was a more redeeming. Which is <laughs> still debatable, I would say. <laughs> Uh, yeah, we'll come to that as well. So the the summary of the book. So our protagonist, he's the book starts off. He's twenty five. I'm gonna do a pretty short summary for it because I think for me anyway, I, you know, we can kind of really just get into the gritty the grit of the book. So he's living in Cleveland, Ohio. He and his girlfriend Emily are both addicts, and he has resorted to robbing banks to get drug money to fuel their habit. And then during the latest robbery, the police arrive and it seems like he's about to be arrested. Then you kind of flash back and then the story starting in his late teen years. He's a freshman at a college in the suburbs of Cleveland where he grew up. And as he says, quite you know, privileged kid, didn't need have to ask for anything. His parents were quite wealthy, but he still wanted more money. So he would sell drugs. And then he meets Emily, who's going to the college with him, and they end up falling in love, I say in air quotes. I'm not sure I would call this love, but all right. And he eventually fails out of college and goes through a series of menial jobs. And then as the their relationship is kind of troubled and she's sort of wanting to move on to do other things and he feels quite adrift, he one of his 
friend's cousins is enlisting in the army and that kind of inspires him to enlist as well. And then the next section goes to him in the military and it's 2005 when he's enlisted, he's 20 and he's in Missouri for his basic training and he's sort of humiliated, exhausted, pretty regretful about everything. He essentially, and they use this quote in the film, he just like, everyone's play acting. This is all bullshit. None of it's real. We're all just like, you know, kids in a costume. And then he eventually is sent to Texas where he starts his training to be a medic. Though quite questionable medical training because he doesn't actually seem to know much about taking care of injuries. And he and Emily, so they had gotten... they got married. They're still in their um, relationship. And then he thinks that she's cheating on him. So, but he decides I'm not going to cheat on her. I'm going to be good. And he's finished his training there. And then he goes to Iraq and he's stationed at a base there and they don't have any supplies. He doesn't get any training. He can't really provide anyone any significant help. So you're kind of you just see him very like lost and wayward the entire time while he's there and there's not like real combat there's just like incidents constantly like someone you know drives over an iud or and there's an explosion um and lots of just provoking violence and a lot and a lot of shooting of dogs yes so so he sees a lot of gruesome deaths, though, of his fellow American soldiers, and then he eventually learns about drugs that he can get via the soldiers through the mail. So then he starts to abuse prescription narcotics to deal with this sort of trauma and, I don't know, boredom and, you know, and regret about being in this situation. And then after a year in Iraq, he returns to the States and he's in Cleveland, he's returned to college. So, but you know, he's a drug addict by this point completely and he can't focus on school. And Emily breaks up with him after he finds out, uh, she finds out that he went on a date. Well, not really a date. He went out with this other woman. And then he began, begins dating this young woman named Libby. And he's starting to suffer a lot of mental health issues due, due to his drug addiction, but also due to what was ha- had happened to him in Iraq. And he breaks up with Libby, and then he starts dating this other girl, Zoe. <laughs> and then eventually Emily and him re- resume their relationship. And Emily had become addicted to heroin while she was dating someone else in Florida. So they just end up enabling each other's addictions and then it becomes worse and worse and they s- spiral out of control. And he's using his student loan money to buy drugs. And he's developing all these relationships with drug dealers who are, you know, seemingly awful people. And eventually they run out of money and they owe money to a bunch of people. So he starts robbing banks to get money. And he manages somehow to execute successful robberies. And then the final chapter ends with the protagonist injecting another, another dose of heroin into his arm. That's like a pretty, yeah, just general summary of it. I mean, this book, I hated it. (laughs) It's just, there's so much, 
I because I know those white suburban kids who are just bored with life. They've never really had to work for anything. They are completely lost. So out of that boredom, they become stoners, drug addicts. And I feel like reading this book, there's just still so much glory in the way he's writing it. Like there's a line where when he and Emily get married that he says, there's nothing better than to be young and on heroin. And I feel like it's really not showing the how you know, boring and desperate and egocentric drug addicts are. And yeah, and just like how thick this story is with misogyny, and I will repeat that, it is very misogynistic. And I just, I can't enjoy reading 300 pages of um, men hating women. That's a stronger reaction to the book than, than I, I have. have. I, I have more strong <laughs> reactions. I have like lines to pull out that to back up. Just like I was so infuriated with the writing in this book. And I don't know, is it meant to be a joke? Like, is it meant to be like a really self-aware observation of how awful these men are? I, I mean, they, they, they are just awful. Like that's, that's how I took it. But it's so intertwined with his real life, so... Yeah, like, when you're like a drug addict, you, you're not hanging out with the highest, the best people in society. You're hanging out with the worst people in society. They're all awful. I wouldn't say much of it sounded fun. Like, I wouldn't say... I don't know, for me, it wasn't glorified. I really enjoyed the bookends of this book so like the beginning and the end I could read like I got really into I could read really quickly and then when we got to Iraq I found it quite difficult to get back into and to follow because there was so many so much assumed knowledge so many abbreviations and acronyms for things that I had I have no context of army life so I had no idea what any of this stuff was um and I found it quite jarring and a lot of the passages in that section particularly uncomfortable to read about like the kind of torture of people and the shooting of dogs, as you mentioned, like that's just like very much not the sort of thing I enjoy reading. I know that's the whole point. I know it's not meant to be like a, you know, like a fun romp through Iraq because that's not what happened. But I, I don't know. I had really mixed feelings towards it because some parts of it I felt really invested in, and then other parts I just found a bit jarring and kind of difficult to trawl through. I guess. Hmm. Oh, I was going to say. I found him the most likable in Iraq. Yeah, it wasn't to do with his likability. It was just to do with the actual prose. Like I, I, like, I don't know as a civilian, quote unquote, what half of these fucking like acronyms mm. mean. So I spent ages Googling stuff and that took me out of the story. Yeah. And then- I don't think, I didn't know many of them, but I just went with it. Because that was- I learned that most of them mean explosive of some kind. <laughs> like eventually I got that, but- when we first arrived, it took me a while to get forward to operating base was then when I knew yeah. off the bat. I didn't I didn't know that. I have no I didn't know what that meant. No. <laughs> um but that was almost that was almost kind of the point of it as well for me. Like because it was almost like he didn't really know what yeah. half this stuff was. He was just being like literally like pulled through this like current. Yeah, I get it as a device. I just found it challenging as a reader. Yeah. But I, I mean, I, I agree in the sense that I thought the middle section of the book, which is mostly the military stuff, was really dull. And like my eyes were just glazing over as I was reading it. And it was a real struggle to, I was like, yeah. can you just fast forward a little I bit? I it was compelling. Even though there was some really like kind of 
difficult stuff being addressed and it could have been like a really good opportunity to do that I just I don't know I didn't feel as um kind of absorbed in the world during that section as I did either end. well I think the problem what I think the reason why we couldn't connect because I think what's happening there is really important to talk about and I think it could be interesting in a sense if someone was able to correct with connect with the reader correctly but because he has the mindset of an addict where it's like very it's about him you're mm. not he's he never really looks lets you look through the eyes of the other people who are there with him and why they're doing the things they're doing what's going on with them how he's because he doesn't like connect with people beyond a superficial level so any opportunity to have a real examination of the different type of individuals doesn't happen i mean he literally says that what is it um, about the guys if i underline it keep talking no that's true because i remember i remember saying to you after i finished it like i got really overloaded with characters like every few pages there were new people which is obviously how it works but like for me i you don't have an opportunity to connect with them or to build around them so you can't, i found them kind of forgettable and I struggled to keep track of who we were with and who was in the car and why it mattered why X died was he friends with them was he not like and maybe that you're right and that is just how they've chosen to portray how I did actually feel and I get like I completely accept that as a mm. way of telling it but it's very, it's hard to keep track of if I'm honest I don't know if that's stupid but because I, I, I can't find the line but he said something like you know they're all sort of most of the guys there are cliche, you know, suburban white dudes who make a lot of dick jokes. And that mm. was all the characterization he was really going to give to a lot of these individuals you're meeting. So, of course, you didn't care about them and you were bored while you're reading it because he wouldn't let you care about them because he didn't care about them. It was just couldn't remember. Like, there was just like an ever rotating cast of surnames. And I was like, have I met this one already? I can't remember. I had no none of these issues. <laughs> well, that's good. It's good for us to like kind of debate about yeah. it. Like the the stuff the stuff in Iraq is the bit I like the most. Like interesting. I, like the stuff when he's an addict afterwards just made me really sad. Like well, yeah, just super sad. I would say not much of it is particularly um, uplifting as a read, is it? But uh, and all the stuff in Iraq was just like it was. I thought it was really interesting to see like all of these like obviously damaging ways he was having to handle this decision he'd made mm. like, and how like all of these people around him were, were making these just awful choices because it was the only thing that was going to get them through to the next day because they're essentially they're there for show and dying every day for literally no reason yeah like, there's there's no there's that, that scene where you're talking about joining the army to find a sense of purpose and then you get there and like they, they, there is no purpose for you being there. You're just like this incredibly yeah. expensive front to things. I can't remember if the line about the maths is in the book, but in the film when they say like they work out the numbers. That was only in the movie. Was it? Yeah. 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 But you get a sense of that in the book as well, where it's like X amount of you will die. There's no like two ways about it. You've just got to wait and find out which ones of you. Yeah, is. yeah. And I think yeah. that's that's why it worked for me when every chapter is like, here's 15 characters that you're never going to meet again. It's just a bunch of names. Because yeah, yeah. that's what it was like. I completely get it to tell the story. It's just as a reader, I didn't find that very satisfying because I 
like really like character driven prose and I like to get invested in people and that it's just mm. rotated up but like again that all reworks for Dala the fact that he's only remembering people because they look slightly like a, a pop culture mm. figure was like that's that's how you connect with people who are like fleeting in your life and don't make an impact or like have no direct crossover with you you remember yeah. the guy that had like massive ears or looked like Biff from Back to the Future um, but he does that with people not in the military, though. He does that with the people he's meeting on the streets as well. But that's why it's interesting, I think, when he comes back, that, like, that's what his entire life is now. When he's in Iraq, the, pe- the only people he meets are the people he has to meet for survival. Like, they're, like, thrown together to survive. When he gets back and becomes an addict, everyone he meets is awful, but he needs these people in his life because he'll die without them. He says to himself, like, throughout the book, like, he meets slightly less awful guys who could sell him heroin and he's like i wish these were the guys i could buy heroin from all the time because they're not quite as awful as the guys i have to go and buy heroin from like i don't want to go into this guy who wants me to go and murder someone for him as a favor i want to go and see these guys who'll just sell me a thing as a business transaction (laughs) like that's how awful his life is and that's what it's like when he's in the military he's like i'd rather go out on patrol with this guy who just makes misogynistic sexist jokes than this guy who's like actively awful and hurts people yeah torturing the children and hanging them up by their necks yeah but i think it's just because the narration is so deadpan because junkies are boring it's just about the chase and i think i mean he's a junkie before he goes to war really and it's just about him and it's how he's an asshole and it's how everything's his fault and how his girlfriend is so beautiful and perfect and how he's screwed it up um but tomorrow is going to be better because he's going to get the next you know hit and it'll make things okay for a while and it's just that repetition over and over again it never ends i mean you have i I don't know the military thing is probably a a break in that cycle slightly until he finds a way to get more drugs but that is the cycle though isn't it like but it's so boring like there's no life to it because it's just the cycle and the only way to break it and though we find out that he finds a way to break it by going to jail is you know you die or you get out of it or yeah you go to prison i thought that was interesting though the (laughs) fact that it was just this just the cycle and like the fact that it was constant it was like every he was so delusional that he convinced himself it was going to get better just because he needed to get that, like the, the the high of having heroin was so good, he could constantly convince himself that everything he was doing was worth it for that thing. Like, I like how he kind of characterised as well, not like, but I thought it was interesting how when obviously they they couldn't get a fix, they were like, oh, it's we're sick, we need it to make us better, almost like it's like a medicine. Rather than being like, we're having withdrawal or we feel like shit. He's like, no, she's, we're going to get ill. They're going to get sick. Like, it's, I understand that it's completely how it feels. It does make you physically ill. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was like, and he kept phrasing it that way. Like, we've got to get well, isn't it? He says. Yeah. So he sees it as like the one thing that will get them well. When actually it's the complete opposite. Which I know is like the crux of addiction. But I just yeah. hadn't read it um, explained that way so often mm-hmm. before. 
Maybe I haven't read enough drug books, I don't know. Apparently you're the expert. Yeah, yeah, I thought I was. I mean, I've met, I have people in my life, I've met people who are like this, who are drug addicts. And they're, I mean, they're really difficult to be around because they are these frustrating, boring, egotistical people. And it is all about this cycle. And it's just this sort of lack of interest in life beyond that because they have no purpose. But it just, he comes off as like such a whiny privileged kid, (laughs) like the entire time. Cause he's like, literally like, I have nothing to complain about my life. My childhood was perfect, but I still am bored. So I'm just going to do shit ton of drugs because I don't know what else to do. And I'm just like, uh, (laughs) you're just a piece of shit. I mean, there's no redemption to that type of personality though. I mean, I mean, how much can you say you know, he's brought this upon him. I mean, he made those choices then at the beginning, very specifically. But can we always be judged by the choices we made when we were like 17? I mean, I hope to fuck not, because that does not bode well. But I think <laughs> well any of us. I mean, we all made choices, but we, you know, didn't stay in that mindset. <laughs> I mean, but we've yeah, all ended up in this position. But I, like we could very easily have made different choices that you know one one different choice would have taken us down a completely different possibly more parallel path. But we thought about it. We made a choice, though. We all took yeah. into consideration our actions, whether or not they were stupid or not, um, and we managed not to. Yeah, I mean, obviously, like I understand once you're in the throes of addiction, it's quite you know difficult to get out of, but. I just, I have a hard time, again, having the firsthand experience of dealing with these type of addicts coming from those situations who have that type of privilege and use that privilege to their advantage to get away with being shitheads uh, and very entitled about it, about, you know, you know, we just essentially like, we deserve the heroin. Like constantly he's like, just spot me all, you know, so whatever drug, whatever pills, I'll pay you back later, I'll pay you back later. Like he deserves to have it. It's it's never about like, oh, I owe someone something. It's like when he robs that guy in the book, it's, you know, oh, I should have it. I There's no thought ever about the repercussions about what he's doing to someone else. It's about him. It's because of that, because that's it's moment to moment. Like until you've got that hit, you can't think about anything else. So like in his, there is no repercussions. There is no after this. All there is is I need this hit because like it's one thing to say like we all make decisions when we're younger that we have to live with or whatever. But like he's made a decision. Granted, he's made it, but it's a decision that is much harder to get out of once you're in that cycle. Like if you choose to go to the wrong school or like. I don't know what else like there's an easier way to get out of these things but like once you're on this path giving up heroin as far as I'm aware it's quite difficult um and like it's perpetually worse which I think the book is good at handling is the fact that I thought this was the compelling loop of it kind of cycling is like what's the next like level that he'll go to to like Mm get his high like how far will he it's even like they say where they're like they used to be able to get high off like really like base level stuff and then it gets worse and worse and they're like no we need more we need something stronger we need like yeah yeah even to the point where it's like in the book he's talking about how 
uh, I think it's Ryder, he's like, Ryder's a shitbag, like, he wants me to go and kill this guy, like, fuck Ryder, not happening. And then you're on, like, the last two chapters, and he's like, we can't find a bank to rob. Do you think Ryder would really pay me some money to go and murder this guy? I need money to buy some drugs. Like, it's that constant cycle of, like, breaking yourself and reevaluating your own limits just to get this thing. Yeah. Um, I mean, seemingly, though, in the beginning of when he went to was in the military he was clean for a, the beginning chunk of it and then chose to go back on drugs hmm. but like is is the i thought the obvious insinuation was that the army fucked him so like oh i think he, he was fucked first though because i don't think yeah. the army didn't the military didn't like reform or save him but it didn't ruin him either i think he went in already Mm. I, I think but he like would have end, ended up in the same place, likely dead or in jail, really. And it was kind of only delaying the inevitable when he was in the military. See, that's interesting. I I read it as the military put him on a different path. Like, if he hadn't joined, would he have necessarily ended up on heroin? Like, would things have got that bad? Like, if he'd made a different choice and, like, made a career choice or gone to a different school or him and Emily had just moved in together or something else had happened and he didn't have to go to Iraq and handle this stuff because he clearly has PTSD like he in the book and movie and in interviews he talks about his undiagnosed PTSD and how he had to deal with it and like you could easily see why if you're like crying yourself awake of a night because you're dreaming about you having nightmares about people dying in your arms like I could see why oxycotons might be a nice a nice daytime treat I know, like, ooh, Oxy. (laughs) But look at his friend James Lightfoot, who at the beginning there's James, his cousin Joe, and him. And Joe decides to go to the military, as does he, but James stays home. But James is similarly fucked up to him when he comes back and he's you know still a drug addict he's you know gets arrested for accidentally breaking into his house and james also helps him rob banks at a certain point but he never went to the military and if that was home life though doesn't he like his mom and dad died and his older brother went into the army and got really fucked up so you could look at it as and like interpret it like the military still fucked him up even though he didn't join like Mm -hmm. through his brother and also like uh, James is like incredibly passive. He makes no choices which lead him down this path. Like he doesn't like change his circumstances in any like meaningful way. He just stays in this place that he's always known, like essentially misery, and things escalate. Yeah. Like as like the people around him, Joe um, and the unnamed Nico character, like go off during the army, come back fucked up and decide doing harder drugs. So James gets swept along with them. It's not like they've gone off to the army and James has like got a better group of people around him. He hasn't met new people. So his friends come back and are fucked up and then he just goes with them because that's what he's been waiting I for. I James much more of a human character, like not only just because of his background, which gave it a bit more context, but also there's points where he like, tries to check in on the you know he's like yeah. you don't have to do this like he mm. tries initially he's the one who's like no don't go in the military it'll fuck you up yeah and he yeah, just felt like he had more redeeming qualities because mm. you could kind of I agree with what you said that like he had he didn't have that privileged background you could kind of see how he got there more easily yeah but I think um the the the, the Nico character in the book though like Name. No, I just realised he doesn't get a name yeah. in the book or the movie. He's called Cherry on IMDb. Yeah. That's his name. 
Um, it doesn't have like redeeming qualities as such, but like the whole way through the book, he's given up on himself and like he's constantly talking about that. Even in like minor moments, when he goes to tell, um, it's not Ryder, it's Raoul's mum that he's been yeah. arrested. Um, and he's like, oh, let me know if there's anything I can do to help. And as soon as he says it, he's like internally thinking, like, that doesn't mean anything. You're just a shithead. Like, why are you saying this stuff? He's always doubted himself like that. Because when he's in the army and he isn't fucked up, and one of the first things he says to someone is like, oh, I've got you, I've got you. Yeah. I think he's just always doubting himself because immediately after that, which is like a perfectly reasonable thing to say to someone who's dying to make them feel better, he's like, oh, I'm such an idiot. I shouldn't have said that. I was so embarrassed. Like, yeah. he's just never had any faith in himself as a person or yeah. a human but why not what about because you never but that's the thing we also only get a, really a very superficial view of his like life he says you know his parents were decent parents mm. you know he they always yeah, had the money they're like giving him money and they have him around for lunch mm. and like yeah and it seems very civilized so i'm sort of like what happened there's there needs to be more to the character for me to understand how do you feel so yeah have such a lack of confidence in making any you know decisions or just allowing yourself to be a good person i will say i disagree with you in the sense like when you look at his relationship with it was madison who was dating at the beginning and all his friend group already at the beginning i couldn't really see him amounting to much of a life before the military i mean the military by all means from his perspective was meant to save him and make a change because he was unhappy with the path he was taking i felt like it was just a knee-jerk thing because emily said he was going away and he was like okay i'll go away too hmm. i think his problem was he like had no path so he was just like reacting to stuff which yeah. is which i think is why the drugs was like even when he wasn't like necessarily an addict, addict at the start, why it was just so easy for him because like he didn't really have any like hopes or desires or things because I think his life was quite easy. Like he felt like he didn't really have to make a choice or any hard decisions. So he was just kind of like, whatever. There's nothing as far as we know, like especially character building about his life. Yeah. Like, you know, when people say, like, it's such a cliche, but like, when people say, like, oh, you, you know, you were bullied, it gives you character and all that kind of thing. Like, yeah. but he's had nothing. Maybe that's why he has no character. Mm. He's just this he like, just... bland man. But yeah. you can't just be alive for 18 years and have no life. No, half the world, like, just like existing. Yeah, of course. Suburban town everywhere. Yeah, yeah, definitely, man. I lived in the suburbs for a while as a kid. I certainly wouldn't say I'm lacking for personality. Yeah, but like, <laughs> you, are, you are not the average person, Nora Goldberg. But <laughs> I, I just... For a while, not your entire life. And your parents weren't born and raised there and their parents weren't born and raised there. Do you know what I mean? Like the same cycle of like mm. De Niro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know plenty of people who like I went to school with who's parents were born and grew up in the town they live in they've were born and grew up and lived in that town never lived anywhere else they've now got kids who are growing up in this town and stuff like that's like sheltered just existing yeah. very patronizing about people's lives like you know no no but like but like for some people that they can find purpose and things they enjoy mm -hmm. and passions and hopes and desires in that setting but for some people 
like it just gives them this like sense of ennui. And, yeah, like, I can see how that would drain you of ambition. Yeah. And like for some people, joining the military would be a thing that would give them that. But like he's dro- he's joined like essentially on the tail end of the Iraq War when there's like no actual fighting when they're just there as like fodder. Like you, you, I don't think anyone really comes out of that feeling like they achieved anything or like mm. added something of value to a thing and like there's moments where he's actively trying and by like, the one or two times he tries to do something like, like active rather than passive it goes fucking horribly wrong but like, even just when he tries to be nice to that girl and she gets like attacked for the things oh, pebbles pebbles yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, Poor pebbles. the one like active choice of like kindness he makes that's how it's treated like so of course he just gives up on himself like you can't do anything right <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I, your argument has not swayed me. The other thing I would like to discuss is the nauseating amount of misogyny in this book. Mm-hmm. And just the way that he wrote Emily, like you go back and forth between her being idealized and then she savages the character. She's like, she's just not a real person. Like she's just a vessel for the narrator to put all his frustrations and desires on and to highlight some lines of this misogyny. (laughs) Definitely not PC. Cause she's very like, when I was thinking about the relationship, it actually made me flash back to Scott Pilgrim. Yeah, 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 I can see that. Like he's this like suburban sad boy who just is a bit of a loser. And she's this like manic pixie dream girl who's going to, you know, change and save his life. But she doesn't have any real personality or any characteristics. That that is a weirdly apt um, (laughs) analogy that I hadn't even considered yet, but it is very uh, Scott Pilgrim, Marona Flowers. I, I watched it recently uh, for a friend's birthday and I hated it. <laughs> so <laughs> that's why it was kind of at the top of my mind. So they said. Really, I think Nico Walker's got more redeeming characteristics than Scott Pilgrim. <laughs> <laughs> he does. He should have actually wrote about himself, but we're actually going to talk about that too, the reason why he didn't. But so they they have a line in the book that they use in the film as well that is probably gets makes me so upset I can barely say it because it is I think one of the biggest problems with essentially sex and how we talk about it and how we view it from a female perspective when he's with Emily and it's like the first time they're together and she looks away and says do whatever you want man and like not looking at him and the idea that and it's throughout this book that it's all about the male pleasure. Never once is there a conversation about what the female partners want or doing anything to please them. And it's all about them being these disposable objects to have sex or used to have sex. And it's about them doing a thing to them to get their own pleasure. <laughs> and that's the end of the conversation. There's nothing else to it uh, throughout the book. And the way that where is it there's when he's describing her um she's not described in any personality so he says uh i like the way she cussed she cussed with great beauty and her body she was the best fuck she really fucked you or she really let you fuck her and also the way she smiles when she was nervous 
I, and that yeah that's her those are the descriptions of what he likes about her and why he loves her <laughs> like this this honestly is what appealed to me about the book not this particular passage but like it has very strong like naughty's tumbler energy yeah you like oh you just want a girl to be beautiful and vacant and have no thoughts or like she could be a picture on the internet and you fall in love with her with no context of who she is just because she looks a certain way and you think she'll be a certain thing and that's kind of what they're conjuring up here it's like even down to the way well Emily in the film dresses I don't think we even get much information about what she's wearing like I mean much about what she looks like I don't like other than beautiful like you don't get like many descriptors you don't get a definition of that the, the one description of her outfit is when they're getting married. And this very much feeds into the Manic Pixie Dream Girl thing, mm-hmm. is that Emily was wearing a blue mechanic uh, jacket with a name tag on it, and it read Mario. Oh, isn't she it's, it's, and different. Yeah, she's so... like the other girl. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I think there's a bit where they go, like, rollerblading. The... So my thoughts on this are... Um... Like obviously it's misogynistic. Like, like the these drug dealers and addicts and like hoorah army men aren't like fucking the biggest feminists in the world. Like zero, literally zero feminism exists in this book. Like it would be like unrealistic and like not true if he either skated by it, didn't mention it. Or like made them like these understanding men. Like that's exactly how these type of men are viewing these people. He's Especially- doing the same thing though. He he's observing them and making you see that it's wrong. But he's just as bad as they are. Yeah, yeah no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying he's not. I'm saying he's exactly that. I'm saying exactly yeah. that because like what he's doing is he's giving us how like a seventeen-year-old like entitled boy is seeing women and like you've got no context for like how long their relationship is like he's like met this girl falls in love with her because she's beautiful and they have sex like he knows nothing about her obviously like and then he uses information against other women later on like when he's like to Libby what's my surname and she doesn't know what his surname is like but he doesn't know hers <laughs> no, no exactly but like that's what I mean these relationships aren't like real relationships they're based on just like what they can get from each other. That's all these relationships are. It isn't like love and about mutual pleasure, apart from when it comes to heroin. Um, That's the only time he really thinks about another person is when he knows Emily's going to get sick, so he actually takes it to her. Not all the time. Yeah. But like fairly consistently, he will say, I need to like get both of us sorted. He doesn't just get it for himself. And that's like the one time he ever seems to think of her. Yeah, yeah. Because the relationship is like standard. Like, yeah, but also she's like part of the financial support of the situation because she's still working at this point too. So she ain't rolling no banks. <laughs> yeah, but she has a steady income. He does not. Yeah, my dad. How much do you earn? Like, what was she? She's like a teaching assistant, isn't she? Yeah, she works at a college though, so yeah. you know, not a bad living. I'm sure. If you can keep the job, which I'm amazed she does. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I don't. But we never learn she doesn't their relationship never grows though and she never becomes more than that thing yeah it's because he never grows though like their relationship is stilted like they meet when they're really young get married he goes off to war and like 
comes back worse than when he left, then they both become addicts. And then their relationship isn't with each other, it's with heroin. So, like, of course they don't know more about each other. Oh, that was good. <laughs> Thank you. Also, yeah, I, but that's, is that a good book then? Because literally nothing happens. It's like a confession, not a narrative. But, like, uh, the, that's the, the entire narrative is... But that, there's no narrative structure then, if that's the only, there's like, the characters never change, it's just the cycles, the same thing happening over and over again. Is that not a comment on drug culture? Yeah, that's exactly a comment on drug culture. Like, that's exactly what it is, like... Nothing then write a book about drug culture, don't, this is meant to be a fictional book. <laughs> so it's semi-autobiographical. <laughs> Vaguely disguised memoir. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, I like did not mind this book at all. Yeah, I quite liked it except for the like army mess. Oh, I found it infuriating. It's everything I hate about drug culture and then just kind of times ten. What's fascinating is we do this all the time, Nora, where I agree with like basically everything you're saying, but like totally like the book way more than you. Like I agree with all this. Yeah, it's all the things I hate about like drug culture and the army. But yeah, I thought it was a really interesting and fascinating like look at these horrific worlds from the point of view of someone who is horrific. <laughs> Maybe not now, but at the time, potentially was. <laughs> I also think it captures quite a good snippet of the time period. Oh God, like, like that. It's like little things he mentioned, like one of my favourite lines was something like, he was talking about one of the guys in the really early days and he was like, he sounded like he wore wraparound sunglasses or something like that. And it was just like so yeah. early noughties and from it, like of its time. Yeah. And obviously as someone who grew up around that time, it just like parts of it felt really nostalgic, which always helped yeah. you like, it always endears you more to something, doesn't it? So yeah, I think that's part it really of it. captured that like Bush America. Yeah, yeah. I don't disagree that there... I think there's potential for someone with a skill of writing, but I just found it way too su superficial to enjoy as a book, a narrative. That is, that is very, very well argued and reasoned, but <laughs> <laughs> we differ on point views. What I think I is just, interesting is... That's okay, that's the whole point of book club. Uh, but I, know yeah. we've, I know we've done book club for quite a while now, but we have now read two books set in prisons or like somewhere like that, about drug addicts written by the ex-drug addict. Oh my God, how's that possible? Yeah, we read Prayer Before Dawn, which is about a, a, a drug yeah. addict who got banged up with a drug addict. See, and I preferred that book, because that was, that was a story. There's some highs and lows in that book. I mean, there's some, there's some real lows and some <laughs> even deeper lows. There's not many highs in that book. <laughs> the movie set, when he's on the movie set, Oh, we did do JT Leroy as well, yeah. I that's think about JT Leroy's got, like, quite a strong... Like, obviously not the narrative. That has way more narrative, but, like... In terms of... Some of the themes and, like, just the, like, general vibe. Yeah, I agree, actually. There. Yeah, it is quite JT Leroy. I, we could talk about this a little bit more after we discuss the film, but I think it's a problem with the celebrity of the criminal. Mm-hmm. Are you talking about ha Sorry? Like the hot felon. Yeah, the hot felon, like how we kind of like glamorize it. Mm -hmm. And Wait, I think I'm very uncomfortable with doing that and the way that Hollywood does that in yeah. society. Well, it's that interesting thing, isn't it? It's like um, people who can afford to be heroin addicts 
can be like mm. rock stars, like actors, whatever, they can afford to maintain that lifestyle. Hunter S. Thompson, he was this famous sort of like drug addicted journalist. He was like best friends with Johnny Depp. Oh, okay. Says enough about that, but. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, but it's that kind of thing, yeah. People are only seen as like junkies or a waste of space or degenerates when they. But it's like this cocaine chic, like Kate Moss in the 90s. Like, it's yeah. cool to be on drugs. Exactly. Like, he says, he even says in the book about something like, he wished he'd grown up. I think it might be in this one. He wished, yeah. he wished he'd grown up at a time where he could just go and buy heroin at like a shop. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't an issue. But that's what I mean. Like, I think it's, it's still a problem in our culture. We're barely getting over the, you know, the fallout of what Oxy did to uh, America. And I still have kids I know who, you know, are hooked on that crap. And I think we have to be careful about how we talk about addiction. And I think it's, yeah, I think it's a little bit reckless, some of the behavior around talking about these type of individuals. Does that make sense? I, but I... Maybe that maybe I'm naive, but I can't I can't honestly imagine someone reading this and going, "I'm going to try heroin based on this book." It's like sold. Oh, I can I can see through someone who's an addict's eyes seeing this and reading this and thinking he's badass. Oh, like an addict might do that, but someone from the outside isn't going to see this as like a glamorization of like that kind of hardcore drug culture. That's an because he did make a million pounds from a book. But that's what I mean, like he- I he, have yet to do He's that. rich he's now. Uh, yeah, he's, he's kind of rich now, but like- and have, you, have you seen his girl, his fiance? I sent you the Instagram. You did, yeah. I've, see, I've seen I his, his poet, I showed you yesterday, his poet wife. White rabbit something. Forgive me. Um, but like the book the book in and of itself doesn't glamorise it someone might see him and what he's become and think that's glamorised it but like that's taken it without any of the context of him doing drugs and heroin for a decade and robbing banks and being in prison for a decade like if you spent two decades trying to earn some money you might also be able to become a millionaire but not have to be a drug addict and go to jail or rob some banks because I mean, his life is pretty, you know. Good. I mean, it ended up okay. Is and the thing because it's so entangled, this story with his actual life. Mm. There's no separation really. You can't read this without thinking about what he did and went through. Yeah, I see that. It's not, yeah, it's not enough of a fiction. And because it's so superficial and you really don't get into the sort of psychology of the individuals in the story and talk about what really is going on, what really, you know, led them down this path and what, you know, the repercussions of those are. I think someone reading that who might be already going down that path might not really understand that this is you don't this is not actually going to end up okay for you like pretty much 100% of the time well 99% of the time I don't know I think the because of the way the book ends where he is still just on heroin and like at rock bottom but he hasn't been arrested yet (laughs) 
He's not in prison. No. I feel like it should have ended on him get getting into prison. That would have been a little more listen, dudes. You rob banks, you do drugs, you go to prison. I interpreted the end until I saw the film as him dying. Was I not? Hmm. No, I, I took it and I took it open-ended as if in we weren't sure if he died. Yeah, my interpretation of drugs is probably very rudimentary but i thought that he was saying that he had an air bubble and pushed it in anyway he so, couldn't find a vein but pushed it in anyway uh, i thought there's something to do with the bubble and i thought he looked at it and thought oh i'm gonna die but fuck it mm-hmm. but i don't know maybe that was just my read on it and then so when i saw the film i was like oh yeah okay interesting ever after <laughs> yeah i didn't i wasn't so keen on that ending but we'll get to that i'm sure Shall we move on to the movie then? yes so, we'll move on to the the movie so Cherry, sorry, there's a cat opening my door. This one. You want to say, is it my favorite, didn't you? I did. I ran away. I ran away. Sorry, they got scared. I'm sure they'll come back. They do, uh, I closed my door. They do know how to open the door, though. (laughs) That's okay. They're allowed. So, Cherry came out on the 12th of March of this year on Apple TV Plus. And it was directed by Anthony and Joe Russo, who are very well known for the Avengers films, Captain America. They, I didn't realize. So they worked on TV pretty much completely until they got uh, asked to do the Marvel films, which Mm -hmm. is quite impressive. So they did a, They worked on Arrested Development, Happy Endings, Deadly Class, and it was adapted by their sister, actually, (laughs) Angela Russo Otset, who worked on V, Trust Me, and The Shield, and Jessica Goldberg, (laughs) Away the Path, Parenthood. No relation. (laughs) It stars Tom Holland as the unnamed protagonist. They say Cherry on IMDb, but that's not meant to actually be his name. Ciara Bravo is Emily. And then most of the other characters make very minor appearances. There's Michael Rispolio, who plays this character, Tommy. Interestingly, there are two celebrity children castings in this film. So you have Michael Gandafini, who's James Gandafini's uh, son. Do you know oh, who that cousin is? Joe, yeah. As cousin Joe. You have Forrest Goodluck, who plays James Lightfoot. Jeff Wahlberg plays Jimenez, who is the nephew of Mark and Donnie Wahlberg. And you have Jack Rayner, who plays Pills and Coke. So So it was produced by The Hideaway Entertainment, AGBO, and Caspa Films. I definitely was my first thought as like the beginning credits were starting. I was like, I was just I was kind of dreading the film starting <laughs> because I was just, I wasn't prepared to deal with like lizard brain male behavior. <laughs> so I, I was definitely like setting myself like, oh, this is going to be just like the worst of the worst. So we're in suburbia for a lot of the film, actually. So you have, you have Tom Holland driving around. He's meant to be, he's 23 in the start of the film or slash ending of the film. And he, and then right away, the, the filmmaking sets up that it's going to be breaking the fourth wall. So there's a lot of talking to the audience. And it, you, you start at sort of the last bank robbery. 
And then we go back to the beginning, like the book. And I mean, most of it I'm going to go through is very similar to the book. There's a few things that they change. Um, and he sees Emily in class for the first time. <laughs> I was a little bit like, she just looks such, she has like such a baby face. Like she looks so young, the actress in this. I, I actually didn't look how, can you look up what her age is? John? 23. Sorry? 23. She is, okay. Looks much younger than that. And there's these kind of cutaway scenes happening, which I quite enjoy. They're, you know, sort of artistically done. And we get flashes to his girlfriend, Madison, and not a very happy relationship. And he talks about working at the pizza parlor and we meet James Lightfoot, Roy and cousin Joe and Joe's joining the Marines. And there's, I'm going to make a point of talking about that. They go to this bank and you have this bank teller that he's trying to argue with to pay his overdraft to get money out. And the bank teller's face is blacked out. There's like a shadow over it. So you can't see her features, which comes back into the end of the film. And he starts having panic attacks, which I don't think that happened in the book actually, did it? You see, he's, he says he's taking pills because of his panic attacks. Sure, he mentions that in the book as well. Is it part of his PTSD? No, well, this is before the military. I feel like he talks about anxiety, maybe. Yeah, he's got um, that's why he's he's selling drugs because he's got a prescription for like panic attack is that medicine. In the book, though, is that, that he mentions is that in the it? book, I'm sure. Yeah, okay, so he's already on the path towards you know. A, pill addiction at least and he's he's i think he starts taking someone gives him some ecstasy i think it is and so he takes that and it's this is very like a cinema thing like they ha they have this close-up shot of him putting the ecstasy on his tongue and it's like a little smiley face on the pill whereas i don't think that would be really what was would be going on <laughs> but it's just to be very obvious he's taking a drug and we rock up to this party that he's going to with his friends and we see Emily and it's just the the shot of her is a complete like sort of Lolita reference of her sitting on the swing like a little girl with the ribbon tied around her neck. Was there ribbon a thing in the book? No, no, no. But no I couldn't remember that. So he he had seen her at school before but this is first time like the really hanging out and then they start making out <laughs> and so she, she does the line again that again they do in the book where she says do whatever you want man to him and she says I have a thing for weak guys <laughs> which is again, making me relate to Scott Pilgrim so they they're starting their relationship falling in love and there's this slight change if I remember correctly where and this is I think there's a big shift in the film uh, obviously about how they characterize women and I think specifically Emily which I don't necessarily agree with because so they're talking and she's laying down and she mentions her about her parents her dad cheating on her mom which does happen in the book and they talk and she says how the dad tried to bribe her with sending her to volleyball camp and not tell her mom and I think in the book she doesn't go to volleyball camp and she does tell her mom whereas in the film she does go to volleyball camp but then tells her mom afterwards is that right 
I think that is right. You can okay. look up volleyball camp while you're. <laughs> I think you'll, yeah, should be easier to find. So there, she kind of resists the relationship and the seriousness of it and decides to go to Canada to go to school. And in retaliation of this, he decides to join the army. And they've sort of broken up and then he throws a party at the bar he's working at and he invites Emily and Emily shows up with his guy, which she does in the book as well. And it's very like not dick move from her. I mean, she, she denies, I, I feel like she's denying what she's doing, but she also knows what she's doing at the same time. And he, I don't know if this, this scene adds a lot to the film, but it is from the book where he's asked to look after this guy, Tommy, who's quite drunk. And then he ends up going back to Emily's place and he gives her these muffins that he picked up with Tommy. And then they sleep together and he's telling her that he's going to join the army. And then they decide to get married. He goes back to his own place. It's not yes, Emily. And, sorry, yes, he goes back to his own place and Emily is there waiting for him. So that's similar to the first section of the book. And then he, he's at basic training. And I really liked how they shot sort of them, the camps of the soldiers. Me too. Yes. I, I, I thought that was really good. So he's getting his haircut. They find out he's colorblind. You meet Jimenez, as who's one of the fellow medics. And the, he calls Emily for the first time and he, he already is telling the, the viewer, don't ever join the army, <laughs> instantly regretting it. And now we're in Iraq. They're driving in the desert. And the first thing I think as I'm seeing the shots of the tank drive through the desert and you see sort of the flames in the air is that Avengers really prepared them for making this movie. <laughs> It reminds me of some of the like Tony Stark military scenes like out in the desert. Yeah. He pops his cherry when he has his first death, which is, I think he talks about in the book that all the sort of first recruits are called cherry until they've had their first death. Well, this is the first, first combat encounter, whether anyone dies or not is another thing i think you were mentioning this when we were talking about like the value and the cost of the soldiers and he says that they're expensive as fuck and dumber than shit in the when they're sort of going around in their yeah. tanks in the desert he says, he says we're we're stationed in an area nicknamed the death triangle and we control <laughs> every inch of it <laughs> We have these interactions with the soldiers and, you know, they're all dicks where, and he's very sort of observational of their behavior, but he's trying to be nice. Like there's the character of Pebbles, who's sort of a young girl, a young Iraqi girl who tries to get food. There's, and very much like the false, the, the fakeness of everything, like the cheerleaders coming to the camp, but, you know, this like fake pretense of, you know, just keeping them content enough to, you know, keep going to eventually die. And we get to see sort of just the lack of 
any proper training and supplies when he's trying to give some Iraqis various medical treatments and he just he can't do anything for them and and him feeling you know this is worthless there's no act I don't find I can't there's no greater purpose for him he's not finding what he was looking for by joining in the first place such is the situation when he's with one of the sergeants and they're driving around and he tries to warn him but the guy refuses to listen to him because he's just you know he's higher up he's not going to listen to some kid and it ends up that his there the truck with his friend goes over an IUD and it gets exploded and they die just for nothing just because some guy was you know wouldn't get off his high horse I also noticed, so there's quite a few phone calls with Emily and what do you guys think that she's much more supportive and engaged with him throughout his experience abroad. I really wanted them to do the orchid thing. Was it oh, orchid? yes. And they left For Valentine's like, Day. That way it's like $110 and she gives it to someone because she thinks it's His cheap. grandma. <laughs> yeah. She's like, I don't care. It's ridiculous. But like, you're right. She was... I don't know. I, I mean, this is a wider thing than just the arm, but the film Emily just didn't work for me. Uh, I didn't. I didn't get it. You're right. I, I didn't. I mean, obviously, an actress can play anything in certain circumstances, but she just didn't look like the Emily I envisaged. I didn't. I don't know. It, it wasn't. It was even a bad performance. I just didn't connect with her as Emily. Like it wasn't the way I read the character. Um, well, she's she's completely sympathetic character in the film. Like mm-hmm. all. She's there for him. She's she's supportive. You know, she wants she, she essentially starts straight, taking drugs because she wants to stay with him, and that's the only way she can. And whereas in the book, which we didn't actually mention, she cheats on him. She uh, quite a lot. Uh, she leaves him. They get divorced several times. They break up, and she's as culpable as he is in the situation. Whereas in the book. Not at all. Completely different. I mean, she's a completely different character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, great. So he gets to go home then. And it's quite a compressed year, I think, in the military. And Emily's there meeting him, which, again, doesn't happen in the book. She's and he gets really pissed off in the book because she's, you know, she's too busy. And his parents gave them money to buy a house, which, again, something different. He gets a job at a construction site with Joe and they're really showing the PTSD and he's sort of having nightmares and struggling and just is unmotivated. And Emily's sort of breaking down because he's not dealing with his PTSD and there's really no help for them. And then he's just spiraling out of control and eventually he does go to a doctor and then the doctor tries to prescribe him oxy and i forget if he had taken oxy before he had gone to the doctor yeah he he's on oxy before he goes to the doctor emily wants him to go to the doctor to get help and the doctor's help is have you heard of oxycotton yeah but so in the book he does go to the va hospital well he tries to check himself in for suicide that he's thinking of committing suicide and they try and get him to maybe have inpatient care but then he resists that if i remember but there was nothing about i don't 
maybe it's true that they tried to give him oxy, but I, there wasn't any discussion about getting him prescriptions to anything when he was actually trying to seek tre treatment. Emily's getting really upset and just can't handle it. So she she decides to take drugs to be able to stay with him because that's the way, only way she'll emotionally be able to deal with him being an addict. I think that's true, but I don't get the sense this is the first time she's ever done drugs. Like I feel like, well, like when they're at the party together at the very beginning and she's like, oh, some guy just offered me ecstasy. It's not, it clearly not outside of her world that that would happen. Like, yeah. She yeah. said no that time, but we don't know that she said no every time. I didn't, I didn't quite, I didn't read it in the same way that she was taking the drugs to stay with him. I thought she was taking the Oxycontin initially to kind of like shock him out of it, but because he kind of pulled into himself and was only mm -hmm. taking Oxy. And I, I, I read it as her take being like, look, I'm going to take all these drugs now, like, do you want me taking all these drugs? What do you think of that as the situation? No, I read it like that. I read it like I need to take these because the only way I can deal with you is to take these. Because it and it also gets her off the hook of having any agency in the behavior because in this situation it's about him, whereas in the book she does it on her own volition when she goes off and she's living on her own and she's getting hooked up it separately from him. Mm -hmm. And she comes back to him and she's already starting to have a problem. And they just exacerbate it once they've got him back together in the book. Yeah. Versus this is making her more sympathetic because it's her trying to, because she loves him so much. This whole film plays her way more sympathetic than the book. I think it plays him more sympathetic as well, though. Oh, com well, com yeah. More sanitized story, isn't it? Like when we watched the film, I was really dreading the army scenes because there were such horrible things. Mm -hmm. in it and then they just cut half of them out and I was like oh okay it's actually not as obviously there's some really dark things in it but I just didn't it didn't make me anywhere near as uncomfortable as some passages of the book so they get a dog oh, Lavinia the best character who's in the book as well what a cruel thing to do to have a pet when you're in she this situation yes it's Wendy every now and then <laughs> She's all right. They ne they never seemingly like mistreat the dog or no. no she never seems to get like beaten up or anything, does she? She just yeah. them and probably goes hungry sometimes when they're so strong out that they get to feed her, which yeah. isn't great, obviously. But yeah, I don't get the impression that abuse. There's no abuse. Yeah. yeah. Oh, again, I realize you guys don't notice these this thing in particular, but there's a few times where they fell into southern accents, or they fell into kind of like. I say in air quotes, like hick accents in a few times when they're talking. And it felt like this kind of stereotyping of someone who's like uneducated and poor and having those type of accents as being the accent of someone who's a drug addict, which I don't know if that was conscious, but I definitely picked that up and kind of being the cliche, like a cliche about like how the drug addict would sound. Whereas like both of them are actually quite well educated. <laughs> So they wouldn't speak that way. I didn't notice that, but no, I didn't. But I guess, like, if it was an English regional action, we probably yeah, yeah. would have, yeah, yeah, paid more attention to it. So we meet Pills and Coke, the <laughs> the latest drug dealer. It's the worst nickname in the oh, history. Like, just it can be less original if it's all like clever. Love Pills and Coke. Well, as a name or just as a character? character? In the movie, he sounds like Raffron sunglasses. To be fair, yeah, yeah. 
Well, he was wearing the very early 2000 double layered color polo shirts. I forgot about those. I remember the guys in high school doing that with the pop collar. (laughs) He's cool, man. Cool. That's the word we're going for, isn't it? (laughs) Okay. So this bit is definitely kind of, they make it slightly more extreme for the film where he's given them a safe to look after and there's the very dramatic series of them trying to break into the safe, which is in reference to the book that he he has a drug dealer who he's letting store his stash like under his sofa or something and that he does steal it, but it's not implicated to be like a huge amount of drugs. But I, I did enjoy the fact like the music towards this end of this section is very like kind of fairy tale music. When they find all the drugs, yeah, yeah. Um, there's, there's like, yeah, it was a little like Disney princess songs, <laughs> I felt almost. So they, they find all the pills. Sorry, is it when we got to this stage in the film? I couldn't believe we still had like an hour left. I was like, where are we going with this? Like, yeah. you've really cut the war tour short, and I don't know how we're going to string this out mm. like for another third of the film. Because in the book, this is almost the end, isn't it? It's like two chapters till the end. Well, yeah. it was two hours twenty. I thought it was quite pacey. Yeah, no, it didn't feel that long. No. And I normally hate a long film. They so pills and pills and coke. Though he calls them pills, I think, as shortened version. He comes back and he finds broken safe. I mean, I don't know. I feel like in real life, someone would end up dead for yeah. feeling that much that many drugs and you don't but like <laughs> the problem the problem is pills and coke is just like some rich suburban kid he's, just a middle man, isn't he's right? a middleman he's yeah. not going to kill someone like he can barely hold a gun when they go to rob a bank together like he's not going to shoot people up like i'm not sure the dealer would take the money instead i think they'd be like where the fuck are my drugs like no but i think i think a dealer would like, I suppose the end game is just to get the money. Yeah, yeah. It's almost like yeah. it's like we're, we're rewatching. Say it like I've got such great experience. <laughs> we're rewatching Liar Juice at the moment, and there's a line they literally just said in the episode where it's like, "We'll take half the merchandise or half the value." Like it's one and the same yeah. to a drug dealer. Yeah. Like merchandise or the money equivalent, it's all fine. Just from us on that out of pocket. Yeah, they don't care. Like, I mean, they probably would have charged them for the safe as well. But I also feel like they want to be in control, and they want people to not go against them. So we, yeah, like, because if it not, gets out that someone's like stealing their stuff, that's yeah. Worse. yeah. But like all all pills would have to do is say oh, it's been sold. Here's your money. How did you open the safe though? But it's pills. It's pills and pills and coke safe that he's going to be dealing from. Okay. He just doesn't want mm-hmm. it at his house because it's full of drugs. Yeah. So this leads to a different reason in the film for him robbing banks. So in the book, it's just he needs money to buy drugs. So. He robs banks, whereas this he needs to pay back the pills and coke for the drugs that they used. Yeah, I think you need. I think a movie needs like a slightly bigger reason. Yes, to push a character mm-hmm. to go to rob a bank. I think if he just gone to rob a bank because he needed heroin, that's yeah. even though that is realistic, it seems more unrealistic. But it takes longer to build that as well, doesn't it? This presents it with an immediate problem and immediate solution, whereas mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. you need way more scenes to show how much money they've lost. And it feels like it feels like such an obvious decision for like a drug addict to make. It's like I've got an idea, 
I'll be back in an hour. He just goes off and does this crazy thing. So this is when I thought this was very clever when he goes to rob a bank and it's the same teller from the beginning and then her face comes into focus. Mm-hmm. I really I really like that. I thought that was quite clever. I liked that all all the banks had like terrible names. Like Oh yes. The there's bank. like shit sh- well there's like shitty, shitty bank. Shitty bank. <laughs> yeah. Um, Credit no. And they're all like puns on real banks. Yeah, but I just yeah. really liked that. So he manages to rob the first bank and he gives the money to pills. And they go to Subway to celebrate, which they mm-hmm. do in... I mean, I love a Subway as much as the next person. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so his face got caught on camera, but he sort of is kind of, you know, he goes quiet, but then they start running out of money again and they get sick. So then they start robbing more banks. And then, again, this is different from the book. Emily almost ODs and he refuses well he sort of doesn't really want to tell anyone what happened and the parents well the mom threatens him and tells him you know get away from her we want her to get better though i do in the book she does go to rehab at one point but i don't think it's not directly because of an incident like this he's done herself into rehab yeah yeah yeah, she decides that she wanted to try rehab in the book. Yeah, and then he tries to. Well, he tells her he's going to stay clean with her, doesn't he? Yeah. And then, and then James comes over there immediately get high. Yeah. Yes. So he there's this. I I thought it was a quite intense scene where he's in the car and he's stabbing himself with a mm. needle. That was quite hard to watch. Yes. So Emily tries to find him when she's she, she leaves rehab and then he doesn't want her to stay with him but then they get back together and they start getting high again and he and James decide to go rob a bank and he and then Pills rob a bank but then Pills bails and they have to go find him and somehow Pills got shot but they don't know how again this is a diversion and it's a little bit confusing Using, I find because then they leave him on the side of the road <laughs> and then the only explanation you get is we never did find out how Pills got shot and that's like it right which I found it very unnecessary could have just Pills you know wimped out so mm-hmm. I mean I, I think maybe that moment is him realizing like I need to do something to get me out of this situation because he realizes like I, what a bad person he's become yeah because he's talked Pills and Coke into doing this thing yeah. and now like more than once like he's had to convince him to do this thing and now he's ended up dead well yeah i mean do we know he's dead dead oh he's definitely he's been shot bleeding out and they leave him in a gutter i don't think (laughs) uh don't think he's getting out of it he checks doesn't he He says there's no exit wound which i assume means the bullet's just like fucking up internally yeah 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 here we go yeah doesn't sound great so then this scene was a little eye rolly. So he wakes up on the side of a park bench with a needle in his arm, <laughs> which was like just like cliche what you think of a drug addict. And, and then he he meets Black, who <laughs> I don't know if this maybe is the Marvel Marvel villain influence, and because he looks like he's like this kind of cartoony type character. In what sense? 
Well, he's completely shattered face. You see like the tattoos and he has a you know, sort of really throaty uh, voice. It's just like a caricature of what a bad guy would be. Like super jacked as well. Yeah. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, so, that's believable. That's that. I mean, I would be scared of him. Yeah. I would. I would probably do his bidding if he asked me to. So. Yeah. So he goes to the bank and to do this sort of final robbery, and he asked the bank teller to turn the alarm on to Vanessa? get him, Vanessa, to get himself caught, and then he goes in the street. Um, and he shoots his handgun into the air while people sort of, you know, are fleeing around him. And then he tosses a weapon and he sits on the sidewalk and removes his belt for a tie off and pulls out a rig. And then the police cars appear in the fuzzy background. And so then we have the epilogue. I agree that we were ending the film with him in the street and that's where I wanted it to end I think can we have a rule that films are not allowed epilogues <laughs> so yeah. in which is again everyone listening the epilogue is very unique to the film though I think it's meant to be a little bit more about Nico Walker the author at this point he's in prison he's detoxed and He's getting older by growing a mustache. <laughs> and he gets granted parole. And then he sees Emily, who hasn't aged a day. And they go off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, you could have this bit off the end for me. Oh, it yeah. was the, an off that. I, I actually, though the film was less sort of gritty, gut-punchy, taken to sort of the opiate crisis and PTSD and drugs, I enjoyed the movie better than the book. No, I mean, I it was more palatable, I think, is maybe what I'm yeah. looking for. Yeah, I agree with that. I prefer the movie as well. Did you like the epilogue? Um, I liked the epilogue, apart from the fact that Emily was there. If you end it and she's not there, you just end yeah. it leaving prison. Yeah. I think that epilogue is like completely, completely earned. Yeah. Even if you have him like look off camera and smile, and the implication is that someone he knows or likes or cares about is there. Maybe James, like, James Lightfoot. Or some like yeah, yeah. leave it up to the viewer to decide there's someone there. Yeah. For, or he's just smiling because he's free and like off drugs yeah. or whatever. Yeah. Like you don't need to see Emily, I don't think. And then you get over this like the big problem that Nora says the fact that she looked exactly the same. Well also like if she is like as the film portrays her, like madly in love with him and he has like shot up in the street and gone to prison for bank robbery, mm -hmm. chances are she's not gonna be there and like bright eyed and bushy tailed at the end of it. Like most people in that situation would be considerably worse to the point where they probably wouldn't be able to get their shit together and get there for a certain time. Do you know what I mean? Like, But like, again, I think the movie is trying to imply that he's doing that for Emily. Like, yeah, he's, he's had this conversation with her parents where they're like, if you fuck off, we can like mm. basically force ourselves upon her to help. But because he's always like a draw, but when he's in prison for 10 years, like... If her parents step in and go, we are going to save you, you've got no choice. Ten years is a long time to try and help someone if you're willing to... So why does she still look 12? Well, that's yeah. the problem, isn't it? 
that's the problem with showing her at the end. Yeah. Like, if you just have him come out, it's, it's not a problem. I mean, um, even his aging makeup is slightly questionable. They're both, like, very baby face looking people, generally. Yeah. Like, both of them are always going to look young. There's not... <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. She's got the problem of being, like, a Nickelodeon kid. She's on, like, a Nickelodeon show yeah. when she was nine, and they <laughs> never age. She has that sort of, like, Amanda Bynes look. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I agree. Enjoyed the movie. I think I, I think that is a better word for it. I did enjoy the movie, whereas I didn't yes. really enjoy the book. Um, I got stuff out of the book. I thought the book was good, but I enjoyed the movie in terms of the narrative they were telling me. Because mm-hmm. um, there was a narrative structure. <laughs> but what's interesting is it was the exact same narrative structure as the book, Mara, apart from the other one. I mean, it wasn't. They changed quite a lot. Yeah, they did. Like, say. at first, I didn't think they would. And, like, even initially, like, a lot of the dialogues verbatim, like, it's, it's very, very similar. And then it kind of spirals completely out of the world he built, I think. Like, I mean, I don't think he's... relationship. I don't think his character in the film is a realistic portrayal of someone in that situation, though, like a drug addict or someone suffering from PTSD. It's a very, like, sanitized version. Like, I think in the book, it is an actually realistic portrayal of mm. drug addiction, whereas the film, no way. That's... You know, he's always the nice guy in the movie. Mm. I think that works in his favour a bit, though. I think it makes the drug use and the PTSD seem worse because it's happening to a character that you like. Yeah. Whereas if it's happening to a character you hate or don't care about, like, you don't mind as much that they're having this all the time. But because I think you are, like, interested and sympathetic towards him and Emily, seeing them, like... Not well, I don't think I'm actually sympathetic to Emily in the film at all because she's so like a non-entity, even more so than in the book. Yeah, I, I thought I thought her character was good in the movie. I oh, I, I didn't. I didn't like her at all in the movie. Especially that scene when they're at the bus station together. I thought it was really good, like showing how far she's gone. That like, even though she's got her own chance now to like be in rehab and break out of the drugs, mm-hmm. she's still making the choice that she wants the heroin. But it doesn't make sense, because in the book, even though she's addicted, she still has the enough, you know, realization as a human being to realize we got to get off it. We got Because there's always a conversation about, you know, I know we're not going to get clean, but we should get clean. So there it is something in her mindset that she knows it's wrong. Mm. Whereas this character never has that ability to have that thought process. There's no, like, layers to her as a human. She's always like, it's just for the drugs. <laughs> it's okay to say I'm right, John. <laughs> uh, I, I also wanted to mention that the that scene in the road, what that's based off of Nico Walker's arrest, which the what had happened was the police caught up to his getaway truck and then he crashed into an embankment next to a Burger King and the money he had stolen was in a plastic bag in the passenger seat and that's when they caught him. Wow. Yeah. Ten banks over something like six months. Yeah, and they were all like with pretty close to each other as well. All in in Cleveland or something, I think, yeah. Yeah. So I have a few questions and more thoughts about it, just like as an entity. (laughs) Do you think he's a victim in which uh, format? Or, or do you mean the author or do you mean the character? The character. 
Well, the character based off of actual things that happen. Yeah, I know they're kind of intertwined. The movie presents him as much more of a victim, I think. He is a victim, and I think he's a victim of a time in society where, like, everyone was a sad boy. Like, you, you think of, like, emo culture and, like, all these suburban boys, like, oh, no one understands me, even though I'm the same as everyone else. And, like, there was a real moment where that was, like, almost on trend. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. I don't mean to say that flippantly. I know a lot of people did have a lot of genuine issues at the time as well. But like, and also the whole like relationship with Emily reminds me very much of that. Like when she says, I like weak guys, everyone did. That was like the thing. That was like what you wanted in a boy. You wanted someone you could save or someone that was troubled because that was like the cool thing or the desirable thing at the time. Um, and I, do, I definitely think he's a victim of the military being so easy to like, you just walk in, sign up and then your life's fucked. Yeah, within like a week, you're yeah. in basic training. I don't think he's a victim of life. I agree with you that he made his own choices and some of them were questionable. But I think there's an element of victimhood there. I found a really good, uh, well, two quotes. One is from a military novelist that has been used in articles sort of talking about this, uh, Brian Van Reet. And he says... So this is talking about, so this is the last holdup he had. So the woman at the end of the film, which is actually quite close to the person who he held up in real life, who she's a, was a, she is. And at the time she was a pregnant African-American woman who he pointed a gun at. And this in response to the quite intertwined reality with the fiction in the film and the book, he says, but perhaps we might agree it's fundamentally wrong to stick a pistol in a pregnant woman's face and demand money from her to fund one's drug habit. Walker did just that in real life, yet most of the discussion surrounding his book is not about his victims. Is there something especially romantic for Americans about bank robbers and broken veterans so long as they're clean cut and white? Yes. Because would we care if he wasn't this upper middle class white kid? It depends on who's telling the story, I think. Like, it's his story and he tells it how he wants to. Like, if we were telling her story, we would hate him because... I mean, like you say, it's not particularly redeeming in the book, but if you're telling the story from the point of view of a pregnant woman who gets a gun held at her, you immediately hold vitriol to the guy who did it. Mm. But isn't that the problem with this? We're just getting this one story and this is not the real story. What about the victims, all the people he held up? I mean, if and if we turn the lens around and we looked at him through the perspective of the people that he mm. fucked their lives up, then who is he then? But uh, yeah, I agree. Like, I'm not saying, yeah, he is in the wrong. Like, would we have a, you know, a film where they, but would we have a film where they, you know, they wanted to spend a million dollars on the rights to, and then Apple bought it for like $40 million. And it's, you know, the entertainment industry sort of profiteering on this white bank robber and kind of celebrating it almost and ignoring the horrors and trauma that these victims went through and just like not even, they're not a part of the discussion. They probably had no consent in this film being made or were asked any input into it. 
Yeah, it definitely casts a wider question of morality and what you should be, what the difference is between kind of having a life experience and learning and growing from it and reflecting upon it versus being rewarded for something that, like you say, was hugely damaging to other people. I don't mm. think there is a particularly clear-cut line on that, but yeah, this film does raise that question. I don't know. Do you think it's more more or less damning about the he's written a book that's semi-autobiographical about events that he did some of, the bank robbers mm. and princes, and he's profited from that. Yeah. Is that better or worse than someone, for instance, who makes a documentary about like a serial killer? The serial killer's not making any money off of it, mm. but a documentary maker is making money off of a horrific set of acts. Is that better or worse? I don't think it's either. The documentary maker didn't kill them, I guess. But they're profiting off the victims. Yeah, so... Like, the thing is, it's actually a crime if he's doing that, because there is actually something called the Son of Sam Law, which was named after named based off of a serial killer called David Berkowitz, mm-hmm. who which prevents it is illegal for people who've convict been convicted from profiteering off their crimes. Which leads me to the question, is this fictional? Because if he tried to write this book and it was actually based off his real life, he would not be able to because there was an there was a story about this like party girl who tried to write an article about her scramming people and she went to jail because of it because she tried to make money off of her crime Mm. so is he actually kind of doing a crime again because he's he's sort of playing us almost (laughs) not even if it's not his exact story I would argue that he wouldn't have the context or the knowledge or the, you know, kind of broader background to have written this story how he did without committing those crimes. So, yeah, I think he is. He is profiting off those crimes because he wouldn't have been able to write this book if he hadn't committed X percent of them himself, I don't think. And that's not to say you you can only write about your lived experience, but in this scenario, it probably helps, No. So we're encouraging him to commit another crime. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it's just like... That's from BuzzFeed. That really makes it of the time even more for me. Like, yeah. It's almost laughable in a cruel way, like the fact that that's how it became a viral thing and that's yeah. how it's a big deal. But, and you would think, like, in, obviously the lawyers of the publishing company and the film company would i'm sure are very apt to push the fact that this is fictional (laughs) because yeah they because i think it was their the example that i had read about about this woman who got paid like the film rights for it was it's a netflix film about her life conning people all the money and stuff was frozen that they were gonna pay her for it so We're just, I mean... I assume legally the book transcript must be different enough from his actual life for it not to be... Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. Isn't it either the beginning or the end of this where it's like, it's three lines, it's like, this book isn't real, these people don't Mm -hmm. exist, all of this is fucked up, basically. But he could have just written that and then written his exact story and changed the names. Mm. Like, as long as... But but there is, like, there is actual documentation of what he did and how he did it. And there has to be... It's like with legal reporting, if you can't 
reveal all the details, you have to change a certain percentage of yeah. what is true to make sure that it's not identifiable. Like police cases, like you have to make it unidentifiable. Yeah. But and, uh, and I'm wondering how much planning there was into that to making sure it met that percentage. Yeah. And it kind of makes me think they're just conning us then to make money. <laughs> well, vis-a-vis, you're conning us for them to make money. Make we, we it wasn't for you. True. <laughs> That's we my fault. Free trial of Apple TV. We so did already have Apple TV. There's no profiteering. Yeah. The I I have my free trial as well, so I'm not <laughs> paying them for it. And I did. I got the book secondhand for two pounds, so he's not getting any royalties from me. I was both put on Kindle. Yeah. So okay. Although I read something about he's he's paying the banks back with some of his money. Well, he had. To because he he owed restitution to them. <laughs> like, it's, not gone. it's not like he's giving <laughs> or for like no no he was or... yeah he was going to go to prison if he didn't pay them back <laughs> you yeah, know or like veteran funds or something <laughs> exactly it wasn't yeah it wasn't out of his the good willingness of his heart that actually I think really changed the narrative if he was donating the proceeds mm. to something yeah like a related organization but that's what i mean like he still has a i don't know if he still realizes what he's done like the, he doesn't seem to have like got it <laughs> well, because ultimately like i'm sure he lived through some really horrendous things both in the army and like as an addict but life has ultimately now even though he's endured a lot rewarded him for it like he wouldn't have any of these opportunities if he didn't commit those crimes yeah, or, rewarding his bad behavior. But then is that to say that anyone who ever commits a crime or does something like this should never have an opportunity for redemption? But what has he done to redeem himself? He hasn't. What, what efforts? It, well, to... I mean, he's served his time, and I agree with that. He he has served his sentence for his crimes. He got out early as well, so like clearly he like was good in prison. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that means... Yeah. I don't know how much of the epilogue was based on what his time in prison was actually like because in the epilogue they're showing yeah, like Bob Holland's version of the character like running like addiction workshops and stuff with prisoners so like if he spent his time in prison doing these sort of like mm. actual worthy well based on this law they're probably not allowed to tell him no I know yeah true <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's just in the discourse around the book and the film, there doesn't re- really seem to be that discussion about his, his sort of self-awareness and sort of reaching out and having a discussion about the people who he harmed tons of people. I mean, mm-hmm. in Iraq and out and before and after. And mm-hmm. what, because it, it, I, I find it's what drug addiction does to the people around you and sort of destroying you know families it's not just about the person who is consuming the drugs here's the, here's the thing though um we're judging we're judging him as the author or writer of these things much more harshly because we're acutely aware of what he's done in his personal life obviously this is like based loosely on his personal life so like that's at the forefront but like there's authors out there who are praised and adored and do very well off their fictional work who are like awful human beings and done terrible things that you're just not aware of so they don't get judged as harshly 
for those things, if that makes sense. What about these similar books? Like JT Leroy, they, that's all yeah. was said to be autobiographical, wasn't it? Until yeah. they got like exposed and then we watched the film on that, didn't yeah. we? Yeah. Unraveling. Um, yeah, and with that's true across all creative, like movie stars and mm. celebrity and... Here's, here's the thing for me, like, because this book is really, like, recent, like, three years old, the movie's recent, yeah. I'd be interested to see if he writes another book. He is writing another book about his prison life, I read. Okay. Again, is this, is this actually about his prison life, or is this, like, a semi-fictionalised mm. version of his prison I life? I don't know, it just, said, it just said prison life when I saw, there was, like, an interview with him, and he said he was almost finished with it. That's, so. that's interesting to me, the fact that he, he seems that seems like he's trying to become this thing now. He's mm. trying to become a writer. It wasn't just necessarily a cash grab. Yeah, to, to play devil's advocate, wouldn't you? Like if it had made you a lot of money and a lot of success, yeah, after, you'd like, keep going. Would, yeah, of course you would. Anyone would. I don't know if anyone would. Like it'd be really easy for him just to fall back into doing heroin and spunk his money. Yeah, but he's not going to make more money off of doing heroin. He's going to make more money off of writing books and having movies. Yeah, but if you really like heroin, you don't think about that, <laughs> from what I've understood. He's here in prison for however many years and got yeah. off it. Probably not going to. Yeah, assumingly he's clean. Yeah, no, assumingly oh. so. But like, we don't know. All it takes is one thing, doesn't it? Like, I've seen some recent videos of him, and this is me being disparaging and libelous, but he looks like he's on heroin. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there is sort of, I don't know, it, it's, it's sort of a bigger discussion than just the question of comparing the book to the movie is the problem because it's like the moral implications of promoting yeah. a story like this. But like you said, though, he, he did serve his time. And yes. like, unless he does something now like that is a, yeah. a criminal act, you kind of just have to give him the benefit of the doubt and see what he, what and who he becomes. Yeah, and I'm not, I'm not criticizing. I'm not trying to come off that I'm criticizing him as a person and saying that he doesn't deserve his life now. I think it's more it's a how well how we examine the story of him while he was in the throes of this and how we portray that and promote mm -hmm. that to people. And there's like a very fine line and how we discuss it and being like, this is bad. Do not do this. There's no, he was a good person who just went down a bad path and it was completely by accident and then he got stuck. No, he was not a good person in this situation. There's no black or white, really. I mean, it's like, I think that, that quote, better than I can say, it's sort of, you're literally pointing a gun to a pregnant woman, make dad saying, give me your money. I mean, mm. There's no argument to say anything to celebrate something like that. And that's what I worry about, I think, when we're talking about these type of stories. Do you have any more book, uh, movie questions? Sorry. Uh, no, I think I, I got all my rant out. I mean, more about like, uh, I mean, what do you think about, because I think the biggest character change, I mean, besides him, but I think more so was Emily, how do you feel about Emily in the book versus the film? Um, Emily in the book is more layered just because she seems a bit more like of a rounded character. But then I think it's because the movie is 
hanging their relationship as a much bigger element that she needs to be slightly more of this catalyst for him. Whereas in the book, she's like, in and out of his life, he's with other women, where she's like this constant for the movie version of the character. Um, I thought her performance was really great. Though. I know you weren't sold on her. I didn't like her before. Like, there wasn't anything wrong with her. I think I just didn't... The character wasn't how I expected her to be portrayed, and I didn't really like what they did with her. So I didn't, like... It wasn't the actress's fault. It just didn't connect with that interpretation of Emily. And I, did, I wouldn't say I liked her more in the book, but I felt like I understood her more in the book and I felt yeah. like there was more to her in the book. So I was more drawn to that and more interested in that, I think. Yeah. Yeah, I, much, I liked her much more in the book. She just, she had more, even though it's a very misogynist book, how they looked at women, I felt she at least had some semblance of agency and just, you know, she did, you know, she got herself into the situation. It wasn't, because of him you know he didn't yeah so I, I i did prefer the book for that sense so and yes i enjoyed the movie overall i yeah i enjoyed the experience of the entertainment of the film versus the book mm-hmm. shall we wrap up with our rose and thorns of the two the pleasure who would like to go first i need to think of mine so someone else I can go first. Um, So the book, I thought it was a quite (laughs) you know, I say this is difficultly because I didn't enjoy the reading experience, but I think it did manage to get within the sort of very egocentric mindset of a drug addict and portray that kind of nauseating and sort of banal cycle of addiction. I thought that was very well done. I didn't like the book <laughs> in just the lack of actual connection to any of the characters or, you know, just very superficial in uh, the portrayal of everyone. There's many other things I would say I had a time hard time with but yeah just I had a hard time being invested in anything in the story and with the film I really enjoyed the sort of technique in storytelling and how they sort of restructured the narrative to keep me into grips with what was happening I thought they were able to really focus that in the film you did a good job and I it's sort of both like I the, that epilogue please just can we have a version of the film where you don't see it it would be a great movie and I think Emily I just thought they did a disservice to her character by making her uh even less layered and nuanced than the the book was sorry I gave quite a few <laughs> no good do you want me to go yeah well if you want to do something I can scrabble something together I'm sure I mean, the book, I actually, I know I complained about the army section, but around that, I actually quite liked how it was written. Like, it was, it very much reminded me of a lot of books I read as a teenager and enjoyed. And there were just, like, the odd few, like, clever or, like, funny kind of observant sentences. I can't think of any examples now, which is helpful. But, yeah, that I kind of it surprised me pleasantly. And I thought, oh, actually, this is, there's more to, more kind of a, 
nuanced observation to this. Uh, my, I've forgotten what we call it, Rose and Thorn, not Pit and Peak. I'm getting mixed up with the Kardashian. Um, the Thorn of the book was probably, I think probably the military section, just because it made me quite uncomfortable as well. Like I don't, I don't actively mm. seek out war stories. I don't particularly like to watch war films. Like it's just mm. very much not my thing. And I find it quite difficult to read. Like I find it quite disturbing. So I think like it just wasn't for me. Um, in the film, I actually just, I liked how a lot of it was filmed. I thought a lot of it looked quite beautiful. And I thought there were like a lot of clever, just sort of little, I don't know if techniques is the right word, but just little quirks they added to it that made it stand apart and made it a bit more interesting and unique. And I appreciated that. Uh, my thorn by far was the ending. I like even if you do the epilogue, just cut off that bit with Emily at the car. That really bothered yeah. me. I, it wasn't true to the story. It wasn't true to the book. I found it really unnecessary. Um, also, honorable mention to Lavinia. That's oh yeah, the duck. Sorry, I almost <laughs> forgot. <laughs> Big fan of Lavinia. She deserves all the cheeseburgers. I just I want to know the mindset of the directors of adding that ending. Who in the like cutting room was like, oh, we need to add this happily ever after. I'm just like I feel like it just completely invalidates the last two and a half hours that you've watched. Yeah, like, yeah. But it's all okay in the end. Yeah, like, <laughs> you can have a raging heroin addiction, but you'll be fine. Your Disney princess will be waiting for you. Yeah. That's the biggest problem with it. It's about the it's Emily who's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, because why. that it, I mean, it's not even close to how their relationship played out in yeah. the book. Um. For me, um, my thorn of the book um, was was honestly just quite how bleak it all is, and obviously mm. that is the, the the story and like the situations. But like it was quite, it was always quite daunting going back to it and knowing that like, oh, this isn't going to be like a light and breezy chapter. Something horrible is definitely going to happen. Yeah. When I read this There's book, a sense of trepidation, isn't there? Yeah. You know something's coming. Um, my roses. Uh, I thought he wrote fantastic dialogue. Mm. I thought the dialogue throughout felt like quite honest and naturalistic, and like actual people having like saying things to each other. It was really good. It's all well, maybe this is it. Yeah, maybe. Um, my obvious thorn for the movie is, like you said, is very specifically Emily being there in the mm. epilogue um, didn't do much for me. Um, my road to the movie is uh, the actual filmic techniques that were used. Like yeah. All the kind of part breaks they did when the screen has like a red wash on it and mm -hmm. they do the intro text, I thought was great. The way they filmed basic training and they tightened yeah. into like a CTR mark yeah. or And the overhead shots are like... Overhead shots, the like well. red text on the screen. The fact that when he starts talking about how they felt like they were all just play acting, there's like a tiny cue of music and they're mm. dancing in an overhead camera view was like really yeah. funny and well played. There were um, a few moments of humour actually throughout the book mm. and the film that kind of surprised me, didn't Yeah, I, was, I thought it was... Oh, there's a... There's there was a scene I remember watching at the time where I don't know how they did it. I thought it was a wicked scene. Um, it's a scene when they pick up um, Joe and Roy, and there's four of them in the car. James is driving, Cherry's in the passenger seat in the front, and then Roy during the back. And the camera's just 360 as they're talking. 
in the car. Oh, I don't, yes, I don't know yeah. it. All characters are in the yeah. shot. There's no real room for a cameraman or a camera to be in there doing yeah. the shot. Um, and either of you seen the movie Kids? No. It really reminded me. So Kids, Kids is like really low budget movie set in New York about like young kids who are like into drugs and sex and it's really horrible and awful um but like a really like compelling and true version of like what what that was like and this reminded me of that somewhat this felt like four like young kids who were just hanging out and like all their mission for the day was getting his money back because he'd been charged his overdraft and it felt like that felt almost like it could have been like a slightly gritty like coming of age story like when they're walking back and they're oh we did a joint and felt better yeah. James has got like his plates under his, his arms because his car's on fire um I thought that whole sequence was really really cool um so my thoughts yeah they're just really good directors I think the Russo brothers it was a really well put together like movie like yeah it felt really slick and cool and interesting and did yeah. nice things with the visual styles a bit it felt um, like they thought about it and it felt very considered and like mm. creative rather than yeah. just like yeah exactly that none of it felt like it was style for style's sake yeah. it all felt like it added a little something to to what was happening yeah <sighs> so i think overall this was an interesting sort of read watch i think and more so than i think some of the recent ones we've done because it was such a not controversial but there was more to like unpick and talk about yes un- yeah unpack of uh, around the actual writing you know yeah. is it good writing is it good storytelling is it you know a worthy story and sort of the actual because the, you can definitely see a voice in the directors which a lot of time you don't get those actual sort of attempt at some sort of artistic vision which is quite nice but thank you guys this was a uh, quite a riveting discussion as usual yeah. and till next